Hi, I'm K.S. Garner, and you're listening to the Solo Nerdbird Podcast. Today, I'll be speaking with the author of the upcoming comic book series, The Path of the Pale Rider, launching on Kickstarter April 15th, Lori Kalkatara. Welcome, Lori. Hello. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Well, thank you for joining us. But uh, outside my introduction, who is Lori Kalkatara, and what are you about? Well, I am a martial artist and an anti-comic book writer. And I say that for a reason because it's like my martial art path is actually what led me to writing, which was really bizarre. Um, But yes, I'm an indie writer for comic books at this point. Um, And my comic book is, like you said, coming to Kickstarter April 15th. Um, It's a Western apocalypse. So that's kind of where I live. I enjoy sci-fi and um, lots of comic books. I read Image Comics, DC Comics, Dark Horse Comics. So that's kind of like, I enjoy that. I play, I play Fallout, I play video games, and that's just kind of what has influenced all this. Um, you know, stuff that I enjoy is what I put into my comic. So that's who I am. Um, well, I don't know if you um, listened to the episode I did with Patrick Lugo. He um, did like photography for a martial artist magazine for a long time, cool. and then that's how he moved into his comics because it's something he's always done for a long time and then he brought that influence from the martial artist and the photography and his love of illustration as well and put it all into his series as well his series as well so your interest in martial artists now moving into comics is not that strange at least from my perspective Good. <laughs> some people like it, it's hard to see the connection but it's like I went from martial arts to choreographing fight scenes for um, a production company in Detroit called Coattail Collective. And then they liked my stuff so much that they actually brought me in as part of the, the team. And then I started writing content for them and it was mostly like action and you know what I mean? It's like heavy martial arts. And, but I really got uh, a good taste for writing, which is what led me to write this. And when I first wrote it, I didn't know what I was going to do with it. I mean, I'm from production, I'm thinking live action, but um, people were, I let people start to read it. And the feedback I was getting is it's a comic book and it makes sense. It makes sense. Like we love comics. I don't know why I didn't think of that. My husband is the one that was like, this is a comic. I was like, you're right. (laughs) So, but in order to, to realize that that's why we have to go to Kickstarter. So yeah, it's cool how our interest leads us to the life path that we are now because no one ever right. thought of that in the beginning but then now it's like oh why wouldn't I be into something like this this is really cool right yeah exactly it's just funny how life takes us different places and it's like who would have thought you know what you were doing 10 years ago would lead you to where you are now so exactly cool. <laughs> but um what is the path of the pale rider about so it's like I said it's a western apocalypse Mm-hmm. So we follow um, this cowboy on his horse. Our first episode, we find him in the desert. You see dilapidated infrastructures, so things falling down. Um, and you don't really know exactly what he's doing, but he's searching for something. So in this world, nothing can die. So, I mean, let's back up. So the body can die, but the spirit remains. So you're stuck. You're stuck in this decaying, decrepit body forever like there's no escape and um so we have zombies but they're treated a little differently so as you your body dies your brain starts to decay so we have this population of unpredictable unpredictable people 
So they, they get forgetful, they can get violent, they could get just indifferent. Like it doesn't matter if you're alive or if you're undead anymore because it's the same at first. And then as, as the population grows and there's more and more unrest, things start to fall apart. So Jude is 10 years into the apocalypse and he's been non-complacent. So at 10 years into this crisis, most people have kind of made peace with it and they're just trying to do whatever they can to survive. Um, Jude is not happy and he wants to know what started it and see if he can put it back to the way things were. So since um, he's pre-apocalypse, you know what I mean? So he, he's still latched onto that time and he, something sets him on this path to, to figure out the whys. So he has this journal full of conspiracy theories that he goes through and he's interviewing people and he's looking for answers and it could be, you know, government, it could be aliens, rapture, um, chemical exposure, who knows, who knows what caused this. So he's just been traveling looking for answers, but it's so dangerous because it's not just people that are undead, it's animals, insects, and everything, plants, everything, nothing, nothing dies. Uh So it's just- So is there, I guess, do you explain or I guess some point in the story, is there an explanation between, I guess, on like things like dementia and Alzheimer's? Cause you know, people like that, they kind of like, mm-hmm. they can still move. Like they're not, I wouldn't say they're, they're dying. It's kind of like it, they are deteriorating in a, in a way. So, but they're not the same as them. So maybe yes. mm-hmm. I don't want to, I don't want you to re- reveal any spoilers or anything like this, but it's like, it, I guess, is there an explanation of, yes. or of a, a difference between the two? Yeah, so that's kind of actually what I modeled how, how they progress through their decay stages is after people that have those degenerative brain diseases. Uh-huh. Um, and it hits everybody, all the undead, it hits them differently. So if they had a, a brain, you know, a head injury is what took them out, then they might go a little faster, you know what I mean? Or if it's something, you know, like they had an infection and it didn't affect their brain. So it might take them longer to decay. So, I mean, yes, I go into a lot more detail. Um, I address all the questions. Like I've really spent a lot of time world building and thinking through um, how this process works. But yes, you are completely 100% right. That's kind of how I think of them is there's still people, um, you still, you know, they're not cannibalistic after they die. They don't flip the switch and become a monster. It's like you could die over the weekend and then have to go to work on Monday. And that sucks too, you know? <laughs> There's no escape. And to be stuck and and to to lose your senses and you know what I mean? Just to be stuck mm-hmm. in that is kind of a, a horrific situation as well. So, but we, you know, I take you through the fall of uh, society and I, we get to see all of that, you know, from Jude's point of view because he went through it. So mm-hmm. you get to experience that. <laughs> well could you elaborate just a little bit more on the yeah. process for the path of the pale rider as a whole so you have this idea in your head yeah how did you how were you able i guess in a way to flush it out to make it into a complete work as it is now and now promoting it for the kickstarter so i guess from like maybe not from start to finish maybe some stuff in the middle like how were you able to process it all yeah, yeah. So I had just the idea, right? And I started huh. um, with 
my creative process is flashcards. I don't know. This is kind of how I do it, but I'll think of like the beginning, what the, what the problem is. And I'll think of like where I want my character to end up. And then I'll have to think of all the things I need to develop in the meantime, or like, I might think of, okay, um, and this is not a spoiler. He comes across a undead bear in episode one. Okay. So if you go to the Kickstarter, my Kickstarter preview pages, there's eight pages where he goes on this cliff and he meets this undead bear. So I had this idea, like undead bear is an, a bear is an apex predator. It can run, it can swim, it can climb. There's really, and if you can't kill it, how do you get away from it if it's intent on killing you? So that's the dilemma that, you know, episode one that Jude comes across. There's, there's all sorts of other stuff that happens to him. Um, so like I'll put a flashcard in there and so I can rearrange those as I need to as I'm developing the story. And a lot of times I'll go back and I'll add things. So I'll like, um, I've written 13 um, episodes for like the first arc. So I, it took me, I think, two years working on it where I like, you know, you know what they say, they, you write it the first time and then you go back and you try to make it seem like you did it on purpose. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, it's just a labor of love. You go and you read it and you let people experience it and then you maybe go back and you change some things. But for me, like I'll use the three by five cards and then I'll type it up and things will change as I'm typing it. And then again, um, I'm working with a fabulous artist. His name is Marco DeFillo. And he, when you see his art, it's fabulous. He's so talented. But even as like we go through the panels and we talk about which one is going to have the dialect, I might change the dialect a little bit because of either the expression that he has on Jude's face or the amount of space that I have. I might need to um, condense some of the dialogue that I have, but it all needs to fit in there because it's a visual comic, right? So there's no there's no like two minutes of, of time for this person to deliver a line like it would be in the movie. It would just be one panel and I got to squeeze it all in there. So again, it's, it's always um, evolving depending mm -hmm. on what, um, what stage we're at. So that's kind of like our process. And then Marco's fabulous. Like a lot of times we'll sit down. The first thing that we do is we read the script together. And then we talk about like, what's the really important things that need to be seen. Um, and so he can make sure that those are incorporated. Like for instance, um, Jude's horse's name is Prince and she has a star on her forehead. And it's in reference to Diana Prince, who is Wonder Woman, right? So we reference other things. We have little Easter eggs for readers who are familiar with other comics as well. We just throw those in there. So stuff like that. So he has to make sure he has a star on the horse. But I mean, like I give him lots of, artistic leeway and it's it's awesome let me tell you because the way that he sees the world is how I see it in my head so to have someone read the script and to be able to interpret you know how I see the world on, in, onto a page and I'm an artist as well but oh my gosh I cannot draw to um save my life in in comic sense like you know what I mean like uh -huh. it's just it's its own art to be able to convey emotion and get all the information onto one page. Like, how do you panel? What perspective are you using? Um, how do you show action? It's just such an art form. I was like, I'm even gonna try and tackle this myself, right? So Marco is fabulous and he uh, is able to really breathe life into the comic. So a lot of times he'll draw, like he'll sketch um, three and four different ideas for a page, like different panels, maybe different perspectives. 
and then we'll look at them and I'll just kind of give them feedback of which one I like or I seem is exciting. And then he'll do like, um, after he takes his notes, he'll do like a final sketch of the page in pencil, and then he'll go back and ink. So I'm involved in all of that, but it's just mainly minor things. And I'm just making sure I'm catching script points, like, hey, um, Jude needs to have this on him at this point, or we need to make sure that we continue to have that in the scene. Or wouldn't it be interesting if there was extra crows? because the bear, the dead bears at the end of the road, stuff like that. But he's really the one that breathes life into it, which is so cool to see. So how was your experience finding Marco? Like, well, let me yeah. back up a second. How was it searching for collaborators first? And then how did you settle on Marco? Like, how did you know that he was the one that was right for the job? Um, Marco's actually the third artist that uh, was collaborating. I first found um, David Rodriguez, and then I found um, Jose Martinez, which were both involved at the same time, where David was penciling, and then um, Jose was inking and um, doing text and color at that time. But it's just so hard during the pandemic. I mean, mm -hmm. I lost, we lost David because of timing. Um, it's just so much going on in his life. It was just, uh, he couldn't commit the amount of time that he wanted to to the project. And then unfortunately, um, Jose, the same thing, like never, never, never brought on Jose to, to do the whole thing. He was brought on to be support. But then when it's like Jose, um, we tried, we tried to do the whole project with Jose, but again, he never, he never came on to do the whole thing. So it just kind of, um, it's time. It's time is such a hard thing and it's so valuable to artists. You know, that's what you're paying for is their time. Mm -hmm. So we actually started this back in 2020 um and that's where I kind of started building a social media following and exploring other things which I'll talk about um and um it just kind of came all to a halt and it's just like I had to take time to slow down and think about what I wanted to do short term long term all of that and um I found Marco on social media, we were on, there's a Facebook, there's a wonderful Facebook group called Connecting Artists, Comic Book Artists and Writers. And I was like, this is exactly what I need, right? I'm a writer, <laughs> I need an artist. And that's what everybody is there for. So it makes sense, you know, to search for an artist there. And I kind of, um, I put my project out there and people had applied for it. And um, it wasn't, it wasn't a good fit for anybody that had applied. Um, so I just sat and I waited and it's like, sometimes you just have to be quiet, mm -hmm. you know, and really wait and be picky. And when Marco is part of that group and he had posted something and I was like, this is the guy. So him and I had a conversation. Um, his rates matched what I was looking to pay. His art is beautiful. Uh, his time frame worked. So it just kind of fell into place that he and I decided to work together. So went from there. So we started, I think in end of January and here we are in March, um, Kickstarter is ready to go. So I'm, I'm super happy with him. He's so professional. He's so, he like, he meets all of his deadlines. So he communicates everything, you know? And so we're having a good time. He's, he's excited, I'm excited. We're looking forward to drawing the rest of this comic and getting it out to people. So they can really enjoy the story, you know? Yeah. Um, so 
how difficult or even if it was difficult um was the world building for you how did you manage to create a world that's totally your own and integrate your influences into it but maintain that the path of the pale rider is in your world and not in someone else's you know i those stories to me are the best the best so any world that has like really thought out I don't know how I want to say it there's a culture to it like Dune was a big influence to me Mm -hmm. as a writer you know you have to read that book I don't know four or five times to really get what's going on there's espionage there's politics there's you know, there's history between the houses and it's like, why don't you finally like get all the spoilers and then you have to go back and read it again because these characters interact with each other and they have no idea they're related. Like, it's like, oh my God, you know? Um, yeah. So that's the kind of stuff that I eat up. So for me to, to, to write, and I was like, I really wanted to think through like, what are all the loopholes that could happen or what's going on on this side of the world, not even by you, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm that kind of um, could influence things that are happening around him or somewhere else or not at all. Or, but it's just, that's, I, I love that stuff. So I have a good time thinking of everything that's going on in this place. Um, I don't know if you saw the Kickstarter preview, but so we have the comic. We have so much other stuff that's happening in this world that I decided we could explore it using short films and riddles. So I have, the comic, which is, of course, the main story we follow Jude, but um, I have these short films. There's going to be a short film released with every single episode on Kickstarter uh, that explores kind of the the stuff that's going on that's outside of Jude's purview. So, like, um, this episode is a commercial for uh, undead retirement community. So, if you want to go live in a community just with undead, you know, you don't want to, you don't want to be around the living while you go through your decay stages. They have communities for that. So there's a commercial, we created a commercial where it's like, if you're watching TV and you saw this come on, you'd be like, oh, this is nice. But it's interspliced with like riots and unrest and things that are actually happening. So it's a good juxtaposition of like, come on down to Pine Fox and reserve your spot. We're waiting for you. And like, ah, like going on in the background. So it's just, something fun to see and um what i really like about these is that i'm going to make them interactive so readers like for next episode i'm going to send out like a theme be like okay we're going to explore conspiracy theories so people can send me like 30 second clips of themselves you know acting out like either talking about a conspiracy conspiracy theory or like if you're being interviewed on the news something like that. Like we see them all the time. Like people are like, don't you know what coronavirus actually means? You know, stuff like that. <laughs> like some of these people are kind of out there, right? So everybody can send me clips and I'm going to compose a video for a short film that can have, you know, our readers in it where we can enjoy like a, something outside of, you know, Jude's purview. So there's that. And then we well, have the, yeah, go ahead. I'm oh, sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off. No, it's you're just- fine. It, it sounds like a lot. Does it ever become overwhelming with all the ideas that you have in your head that's outside of the comic itself? No, because I, like I said, we had like a two-year downtime <laughs> between when we started to develop the comic uh-huh. and to where we were ready for the Kickstarter and to actually start, you know, publishing. So um, we had the, 
the short film has been done since October of 2020. And I, you know, I like the idea of continuing to do these and like, I have a whole slew of ideas. So I've just been like, you know, that, that, that downtime was really beneficial because I was able to do a lot of planning and um, I have a lot of content that I'm going to be putting out either, you know, TikTok and YouTube and um, it's just lined up. It's ready to go. Right. Mm-hmm. So I'm not, I'm not overwhelmed at all. I just, I'm ready to share at this point all the good ideas that are backed up waiting to go. <laughs> um, well, what advice would you offer to other creators you wish someone would have told you when you first started? Um, be picky, be picky. So when you're ready to commit, find an artist that is re- also ready to commit. Mm-hmm. And if that means, you know, you have to pay them out of your pocket to show them you're serious, that's what happens. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, but just be be picky. Don't just jump on the first opportunity because someone is excited with you because it doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to happen. Also, if you're going to go the Kickstarter route, start promoting your project right away, right away. Um, because what's going to happen is it takes time to build up a following. It takes time for for people in your audience to be able to find you. You know what I mean? Because I have I have a Facebook group and I got lots of people in it. But uh, you know, we you always start out with your friends and family. And I love like Maya Caroline, who's in the group, but she not she's not a fan of zombies. She's a fan of me. Yeah. So whether or not she's going to fund my project, I don't know. And I love her anyway, but that doesn't mean that the people that are in your friends and family understand your vision and will back you. A lot of them will, but if you really want to be successful, you got to get outside of your comfort zone and find your audience. Right. So I Mm -hmm. want people that enjoy movies and comic books and video games and all that nerd stuff. That's where I live. And that's who I'm catering to with my story. So they need to be able to find me. It's a great product and it's a great story. And we got lots of things going on, but if they don't know I exist. They can't support me. Yeah. So get out there and start talking about it. And it's like, it's kind of a grind, but do it. If you're passionate, people will follow you. So that's my advice to future people. <laughs> well, I have another question about um, like budgeting. So were you familiar with how to... I guess, present yourself and your work in, to those people in the in the Facebook group for comic writers looking for artists? Like, did you know how to ask for like, um, like, hey, this is what I have. I need my artist to be this, that, and the third, and this is my budget. Like, how did you know how to present yourself to them for offers to come in? Well, not offers, but for artists to, um, up, to apply, basically. Well, you have to tell them what you're expecting in a page rate. So how I have um, created my plan is that uh, I'm paying out of pocket for my Kickstarter pages, like for the preview. And then the rest of the issue has to be funded with Kickstarter. Okay. So that's what I was communicating. I have to be upfront with my artist. Like, what is your page rate? I have to make sure I'm comfortable you know, if I say I have eight pages I want done for Kickstarter, um, 
they have to be able to tell me a page rate and then I have to be able to afford that, right? Mm -hmm. So if it's astronomical, it doesn't work. So it has to be, you have to be honest with yourself. How much am I willing to pay out of pocket to get this running? And then after that, it's like, are they comfortable, um, you know, understanding that the rest of it has to come from Kickstarter and not out of my pocket. So as long as there's an understanding, I recommend having a contract. We have a contract. Our contract stipulates, you know, page rate and um, the schedule at which when he turns in pages, how often he gets paid. Um, it explains the Kickstarter, explains our roles. So like his role as an artist versus my role as writer and like who's who's doing the talking, who's doing the promotion, who's doing it. Be honest and put it all on paper and make sure that you guys are both on the same page. Um, that's what we had to do. And Marco and I are on the same page of how this is going to go and what my short-term plans and what our long-term plans are. You know, if we can work together and there you go. Yeah. So what, I don't know if you would know, but what, I guess, what is the average, uh, I guess, pay, page rate? And I guess, so do, would, do you know what the average pay, page rate is and how do you know if it's like too high? So like, it's not that it's too high, it's uh -huh. just level of experience. So it's uh -huh. the same thing for like, let me think of something comparable. Mar I can talk about martial arts. Okay. So I've been, um, I've been in martial arts for 25 years. I've been a teacher since 2001. So like if I were to teach a private lesson with 25 years of experience, I would charge a certain rate. So if I had been a private teacher for five years, versus 25 years, the rate would be a lot less, mm -hmm. right? So it has to do with experience and quality, obviously. Um, a lot of the artists, I mean, I've seen page rates anywhere from $50 to $300. And it just depends, like, if they're talking about, like, are they just doing pencils? Are they doing the pencils and ink? Are they doing pencils in color and text? Because those are all separate things that an artist can do. Mm -hmm. um, I'm a, I also do flatting, so I flat for other comics. Um, it just depends you know, what service are they providing, their level of experience, have they been published, have they been to art school, I mean, it's just all, all of it kind of ties into um, what their rate is, and then you have to look and see, like, does their style match, ours is more of a, um, I don't even know what to call it, Marco's style is a, is more comic, it's not too realistic, but it's not too um, comic-y, I don't really know what to, you'll have to tell me how to describe it, <laughs> it's art. It's not anime, it's not, you know, but it's also not like, I don't know how to explain it. It's not like- um, well, I'm looking at some of the pages here now <laughs> yeah. and it, no, it's not too comic-y and it's not realistic. It's kind of sort of right there in, in the in middle, middle in a way, like a healthy middle ground. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm looking at some of the, like I said, I'm looking at some of the pages here now and it, you still get a really good level of detail yeah because again yeah. we have zombies and undead things like we are quite gory at times so um there's going to be flesh <laughs> lots of bones showing um yeah i gave him full permission i was like be as gory as you want to be you know this isn't for kids it's not a kid's story it's an adult story so if you like that you know that kind of genre like i do then this is for you. Yeah, so. it looks, I guess the word would be Western-y. It kind of looks that yeah. way in, in a way too, almost like, um, not a noir, um, 
but like a like a like a western film but in a mm-hmm. in, in books almost like a book style in a comic book yeah style. that's what it looks like to me yeah i agree with that i agree with that marco does a good job of keeping it real western you know and yeah jude, i don't know if you've seen like jude he's just i mean that's just perfect to me he's kind of like a mishmash of like clint eastwood and somebody else he has the good squint and he's got the scruff and uh-huh. yeah he's there but he's wearing a disc like we 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 include like technology that's from this world and how it works and yeah there's there's lots of good stuff so we do a little steampunk little apocalypse there's there's lots in there that we can play with all right. Well, my last question for you, Lori, is is one you're familiar with. Is what is your idea of success? So, I ask that of creators because if we're not getting regular paychecks from a full time job or can make, making consistent revenue from our art, we're considered failures, or we consider ourselves failures. Mm-hmm. Many of us will put our dreams and projects on the back burner or give them up altogether because this career can be highly intimidating and competitive. So, what is your idea of quote unquote success? Um, you know, I agree with someone else's statement from one of your previous podcasts that it's, it's fluid. So if you had asked me this question three months ago, it would have been success is finding an artist and getting eight pages done for the Kickstarter preview. (laughs) And at this point, success to me is having a successful Kickstarter, you know, Mm -hmm. so that way we can publish and get the story out. So success is I have long-term and short-term goals. So right now it's just getting the story out there and being successful so that we can turn around and start working on episode two. Um, I also want to build that community. So not only do we have, I forgot to mention, not only do we have the, the short films, I have Easter eggs built into every comic. So on yeah, every I think comic- you mentioned it with um, Diana Prince, right? With the mark on the, on the horse. Well, so you're going to be like littering yeah. them out throughout the, yeah. But every single comic is going to have a riddle to solve usually on the back cover. Okay. So it will take you to websites, phone numbers. There's going to be, <laughs> there's going to be additional content, YouTube videos, stuff like that, where only the people that can solve the riddles will find this in the real world. So you might get a postcard in the mail from Pine Fox. You might and have that's to call the phone the, number. That's going to be with each issue? Each every chapter? issue every issue will have a riddle that you'll have to find in the real world. So, but there's a, there's a whole community that I want to build with that. So that's, that'll be a level of success for me too. If people actually can solve the riddles and like, there's a whole like bragging rights, you know, like I solved the riddle on episode two, haha, you know, (laughs) first riddle is actually pretty easy. So if you can figure it out, then, then you're part of the community. But after that, I have plans. (laughs) <laughs> there's, there's ciphers there's morse code there's all sorts of things out there um that i have plans for so it'll be fun you know so that's that but I, eventually i would love to see this picked up you know um to be a long-term either image comics and then eventually way down the road i'd be i'd be so humbled to have this be a live action or an animated series on maybe like netflix because again i came from production and that's how i see it in my head is a mm-hmm. live action um, but I love animated stuff too. Like all the Castlevanias that came out, those were awesome. Oh yeah. Like, I would be happy. I would be so happy with that, but just to be able to, to watch it as well as to read it. But 
I'll be happy with just having the comic book. I'm not going to lie. Like that would be fabulous. So it'll be, a, yeah. it'll be a fun ride. It'll be fun. I want people to come with me and enjoy the story. I'm going to twist mm. it and have a, lots of, a, oh no, moments. <laughs> well, is there anything else that you wanted to touch on about the path of the Pale Rider as a series uh, as a whole that I may have missed or um, more about, uh, I guess, what was it, uh, rewards for potential backers for the Kickstarter? So gotcha. the riddles and stuff are going to yeah. be with the actual issue itself. So uh, yeah. what are the, I guess, uh, rewards for potential backers? Do you, do you know yet? Oh, yeah, yeah. So, um, of course, we have a PDF level, and then we have we have several levels with just a, um, a single issue. So we'll have Marco's cover. Like, all the other artists that have been involved have covers. So, like, David has a cover variant. Um, Jose has a cover variant. And then I have a friend of mine named Everett uh, Watkins, who also is a comic book artist who does Boog. Um, he, uh, he also has a, a variant cover. So I have all of those. And then, like, I have... Um, I have the patches from the riot scene from my video, so you could earn one of those. Like I have an early bird sticker, so um, there's a $15 level that it's like there's only 50. We're only doing 50 stickers from the first run of the episode, so you got to get in there and get those or they're gone. Um, so stuff like that. Like I have keychains, I have t-shirts. Um, what else? We have all sorts of art. The best one, though, is, of course, the highest one. They always are. So you get a copy of each one of the variants, right? Plus Marco's. They're all, you know, mine, mine and uh, Marco are, are blah. His one will be signed by both of us. You get the keychain, the patch, uh, the t-shirt. And then also Marco will draw your, your, your picture of you <laughs> into our comic book. So we call that one immortality because you will permanently be in the comic from, from that moment. But we might kill you. We could kill you. <laughs> we probably will kill you, but it doesn't mean anything because you're on dead at this point. So it's just kind of a running joke. Um, but I think that would be a lot of fun to, to see. In fact, I was like, Marco, I know exactly where I want you to draw me and then immediately kill me. He's like, why? Because it'll be funny. <laughs> I think so. a cool reward for something like this um, would be like, um, you can get your own pop figures made. Funko Pop yeah. figures that would be kind of cool of um of Jude um to have or maybe person that has oh. suggested that someone else like um one of Marco's uh he did a um a color rendition of Jude and I have another friend of mine that collects like seven inch action figures and he was like this would make a great action figure I was like you're right yeah but I don't know how to do that yet so <laughs> yeah I think there are people I think on Etsy or Redbubble, I'm not sure. I know I've seen people make, ha have their own uh, Funko Pop figures yeah. made of uh, fictional characters from TV shows yeah, made. Um, I'm not sure how much they are, but um, yeah, I thought it'd be cool because this is like a Western and I keep thinking yeah. of like the little figurines that people used to collect of uh, their favorite characters. And I thought that'd be really cool if you had like, maybe get like maybe... 50 i'm pretty sure if you get a bunch of them it'd be cheaper um yeah. of little figurines of the character and then you would sign them and then marco would sign them and That's that would be idea. like the, that would be the top tier well we can do that as a stretch goal because yes, I, i'm looking yeah. for stretch goals right now i'm like <laughs> it's like when you when you learn about kickstarter and all these different 
things and then I'm like, okay, so I have my reward level and now I have to do add-ons. So, but I like add-ons because it, it lets you customize kind of your reward level. So mm-hmm. if you want like Marco's cover, but you also want Jose's cover, but you don't want to pay for all four, because the, the, I think that starts at $75. So then you can just, you know, get, get the regular one and then add on any variant you want. So there's possibilities for you to get any cover you want or any combination of covers you want. Um, so I did that. And then it's like, okay, stretch goals. I'm like, oh man, I got to think of more things. <laughs> so we did, um, like I did a first level that's just more merch, but then I did like a big level, like Marco will color that, like we'll send everybody a color issue if we get another $2,000 on top of our goal. So that would be re- really cool. Marco, Marco's an excellent colorist. Mm-hmm. Um, he's way better than I am. Um, so that's why I was like, I could color it. I'm like, or we could do a stretch goal and Marco could color it. (laughs) That would would make more sense because he's way better than I am. Um, so that would be fun too. Cause then everybody can get a color issue instead of black and white. Black Mm -hmm. and white does have its value though. You know, it's like as a Western and as an apocalypse, it's come, it's like, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm a big fan of walking dead and all of their stuff was black and white. You Mm -hmm. know what I mean? So until yeah. recently, and they're going back and they're coloring it, but it's just kind of like a washed out world. So it's fun to kind of see it both ways in my mind. I yeah, I'm, like I said, I've been looking at some of these pages here on, on Facebook and I, what I learned in school, because I went to school for graphic design, is that if it doesn't mm-hmm. work in black and white, it's not going to work in color. And this right. works in black and white. It does. It, but it works really in color amazing. too, because I've, <laughs> I've been monkeying around with it so because I'll go into procreate and I'll flat the pages and that's kind of that's part of my process too like Marco's Marco's great but again everybody's human so if I flat it then I can be like oh we're missing this or this doesn't you know whatever and then we can fix it it's like my editing process so even though if I'm not doing the color me flatting it helps me kind of edit the picture does that make sense I don't know how the flatting process works. (laughs) (laughs) You just go in and you put in flat color. I'm not putting in any, like, there's no light source. There's no shade. There's no highlight. It's just flat color. But if I'm looking at every single area of the page, I can make sure that everything is visually correct. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, but yeah, it, it looks really good in, in the, in the black and white. So because I could, I'm thinking, I'm looking at one of these pages and I'm thinking, oh, this would be really cool if they put color in the back because it has these panels here in the middle and keep those in black and white and a little bit, a splash of color, like muted color in a way. Yeah. That would I thought cool. about that too. It's like, what if we just added splashes of red? Yeah. So it would be like, most everything is in black and white and then splash some red in there. But you know what that does? <laughs> your print charges it doubles oh, yeah. your print charge yeah <laughs> because now you're printing in color and not in black and white and it's completely different yeah. so it's hard it's like i just want one page in color please no nope, you got to pay for the whole thing in color yeah <laughs> the joys of, of printing all right again i want to thank the author of the upcoming a comic book series, uh, The Path of the Tale Rider, launching on Kickstarter April 15th, Lori, Lori Calcaterra for joining me yes. today. 
I uh, highly recommend our listeners to give Lori's The Path of the Pale Rider Kickstarter a look, share, and buy if they can when it launches. All of Lori's socials and website will be listed in this episode's details alongside the Kickstarter pre-launch link for those who are interested. Again, I am K.S. Garner, and you have been listening to the Solo Nerdbook Podcast. Thank you. 